0: What's going on, everyone, and welcome back. I have a question for you. What is your favorite cybersecurity podcast? Is it the Cyberwire hosted by Dave Bittner? Or maybe Smashing Security with Graham and carol Or is it Darknet Diaries hosted by Jack Reciter? Or is it Bump Ba bump, bump, bump Hacker Valley Studio? This is a tough question to answer, I'll be honest. So what we've decided to do this episode is bring in the pod pack. This episode, we have Jack Reciter, Dave Bittner, Graham Cluley, Alan Alford, and of course, me and Chris. We speak to the pod pack about the journey of cybersecurity podcasting and the evolution of it all. We know you'll love this episode, so let's jump right into it.
1: This is the
2: Hacker Valley Studio podcast, exploring the human element behind cybersecurity programs and technology.
0: Before we get started, I wanted to take a quick second to thank our sponsors, Axonius and Uptix. We don't do episodes like this often, and working with these two amazing sponsors made this all possible. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the episode to check them out and learn more.
3: What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome (laughs) back
0: to the show. Glad to be back again. For anyone that knows Chris and even myself to some degree, we always have these wild ideas. And (laughs) Chris, you were speaking to me and you had this wild idea that we're now turning into an episode.
3: Yeah, so I got a little bit of inspiration from a couple of different places. I get inspiration from movies and music. And one of the inspirations I thought about was the Kings of Comedy lately. I was like, wow, what a cool ensemble thing that they did and they put together. But then I also thought, what are some other ensembles in history that would give me any type of inspiration? And then I started thinking about Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., and the Rat Pack. And I thought, wouldn't it be pretty cool to take the best cybersecurity podcasters in the world and bring them all onto one episode. It was super ambitious, but I think we made it happen. Ron, who do we have with us today? We
0: have people that I'm sure all the listeners know and love, and they've even been on the podcast. In the studio, we have Jack Resider, the host of Darknet Diaries. We have Dave Bittner. I'm sure you've heard his voice everywhere, including on his podcast, The CyberWire, and Graham Cluley, who is the host of the Smashing Security Podcast. We also have a special guest that's going to be coming in a little into the episode, but you'll just have to wait and listen for that part. <laughs>
3: Just wait and see. With that, we're going to get into the incredible folks that we have on the episode today. Let's start with you, Dave. Uh, You've honestly been an incredible mentor to me. We meet just about every month and every single time I feel like I come away with more wisdom about production, about podcasting, and honestly, just life in general. Uh, We'd love to hear your podcast origin story for everybody here today.
2: Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, I jumped on the podcasting bandwagon pretty early on, just uh, doing some local stuff. I mean, I come from a video and media production background, so it was sort of a natural thing. And then I also spent a good bit of my life doing theater and performance kinds of things. So this podcasting thing, when it looked like it it could actually be a profession, I just happened to have a combination of uh, skills and talents and experience that made it a really good fit for me. So, back in 2015, when we decided that the Cyberwire needed a podcast component, I was in the right place at the right time and we decided to make a run at it. And the rest is history. We seem to be doing pretty well for ourselves.
3: You seem to be doing pretty well. You're one of the hardest working people in the business doing a daily podcast, but then also doing other podcasts as well. Let's kick it over to you, Graham. Graham, I don't know if you even realize this. Probably not, because when we first met, we were just a wee little podcast, you know, just <laughs> figuring ourselves out. And you had an incredible amount of knowledge, especially on the business side of podcasting. We learned a lot from you for when we started to monetize and then even to build this network that we have today. I uh, would love to hear a little bit of your podcast origin story.
4: Oh, well, I th- thank you very much. I'm, I'm glad I was able to help. I have no idea how I was able to help you, but it, that sounds terrific. Um, well, my, <laughs> I mean, I've always loved podcasts ever since they first uh, sort of popped up, I suppose. I was listening to podcasts and a colleague of mine when I was working at Sophos by the name of Carol Terrio uh, was also very, very keen on podcasts. And so she kept on nagging me that we should be on a podcast. And so we started one at Sophos uh, the Sophos security podcast. And uh, she was on every week and occasionally I would appear as well. And listening to them now, they they feel very stilted and very scripted and uh, not like us at all. But then we left the company. And for a couple of years, uh, Carol said to me, why don't we do a podcast? Why don't we do a podcast? And eventually she wore me down. <laughs> and in December 2016, I said, all right, but let's not do a podcast. That's too much like effort. Let's just do a Google Hangout and we won't have to edit it. We'll do it live onto YouTube, <laughs> no effort whatsoever. So we did that for a few weeks, and then we thought, well, this is rubbish. Why would we have this video <laughs> thing in it? And then we started editing, and then we started editing more, and suddenly it became a huge amount of work. So the original idea of let's do something which is no effort at all very quickly changed into something where we were, took a little bit more pride um, in our output. And, it's yeah, it's been going for, well, coming on for five years now. It's been going great. It's good fun.
3: That's incredible. I mean, the the energy that you have in your show, I mean, the listeners really feel it, but when you're a guest, you definitely feel it. and you always feel like you have to like match that energy in some type of way. But you have all sorts of people on your show and it's super inviting. I definitely enjoyed being a guest on that show. And last but not least, we have Jack Reiter, Jack. To be honest with you, you have been so influential for us. Uh, I remember going through every single one of your Lime link articles, learning about podcasting, the nature, the philosophy of podcasting. You would never say this yourself, but from my opinion, you truly are a beacon of what is possible in podcasting and in storytelling itself. But for the folks that don't know who you are, would love to hear a little bit of your origin story in podcasting.
5: Well, thanks for that. So yeah, I mean, I did my time in the knock and in the SOC doing uh, security network engineering stuff. For like 10 years, blogging at the same time about stuff. You know, when you're trying, when you hit a problem and you try to Google the answer and it's not there and you're off the map of the internet and you have to figure it out on your own, that's the stuff I would blog about. And so, you know, I was putting stuff out there and it was really nice seeing the feedback from this. You know, people saying, Oh, I I couldn't find the answer anywhere, but your blog helped me. I appreciate it. And I was like, What more can I do? And I was always thinking, What more? And I was dabbling with some videos and stuff. I never thought I'd get into podcasting just because I don't have this skill at all, but I really wanted this kind of show to exist where it was, let's go back five years in the past and pull up all the stuff about that hack or breach or something, because now we see the indictments, we see the court records or whatever, we can really do a full beginning to end shakedown of the whole story. And I was like, that's not here in the security podcast space. Um, and I reached out to a few podcasters saying, can you make that please? And they were like, what? I don't understand your vision. And so, you know, if nobody gets it, then you just have to do it. You're, I was kind of stuck with the card. And so I was like, screw it. I'll try to figure it out. So I basically made the podcast I wanted to hear and, you know, tried to follow some of the people I like, like Roman Mars and Ira Glass and Radio Lab and shows like that to make something fun and, and exciting, but also very informative and, and entertaining. That's what I did. I made
0: Dark Natarius to to do that and here we are. I'm glad I'm not the only one that tried to do the video thing and I really <laughs> clung on to that. I I was telling Chris, I was like we're going to create a YouTube channel. It's going to be awesome. I really described all the facets that a podcast would have, but we had our videos turned on. And the best part is we had the laptop screens as our webcam. And they were at the most unflattering angle. They were showing like a double chin. (laughs) (laughs) Nose hairs. Exactly. And it made me learn about some of the things that a podcast is not. Like you can have uh, a mixture of a podcast and something else, but a podcast generally isn't a video. I wanted to get you all's perspective of what are some of the components that a podcast is not. There's so many podcasters that are starting up today. But I feel like we get too caught up in some of the nuance that could come later. Well, podcast is not an exclusive to one platform. I'll start with that.
5: If you, if like you know, if Spotify buys a show and says you have to be exclusive to us, they're no longer <laughs> a podcast. Because if I hired you to make me a podcast and you're like, here it is, it's only on one podcast app ever. Yeah, uh, I would say you did not do your job as making me a podcast. So I don't even de- <laughs> define that as a podcast.
4: Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with you about the the video thing as well. I, I, one thing people listening to this may not realise is at the moment we can't see each other, right? We can, <laughs> we, which is a blessing, I'm sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but I think that's really important because we're expecting the people who listen to this show, they're only going to take it in audibly. And if we could see each other, we'd be giving each other visual cues and we'd be communicating visually to each other about the point we're trying to get across. And it's really important that we get it across purely through sound because that's how other people, the listeners, are going to get it. So I really love audio podcasts, video <laughs> podcasts. Well, you can't watch them while you're driving. And, you know, mm. commu- you know maybe some forms of commuting you can, but so, it's so much more consuming of your time if you have to sit down and watch a video rather than do the washing up or be cooking or whatever it is that you're doing while you're listening to a podcast. So I I love that it's an audio medium. It also makes it an awful lot easier to edit. And the other thing is that (laughs) video, you are in competition with Hollywood movies and big budget TV. People expect video to be super, super duper slick and with audio, you can get away with a bit more. That's not to say that some of the podcasts, I mean, Jack's here and Dave, you know, they both produce really professional podcasts. You know, Jack is a rock star in this field. You know, it's sort of radio lab quality that you're getting from him. So th- there are great things you can do, but I think it's a much more accessible medium than video is.
2: I think it's easy to get seduced by the idea of doing video. And, and I'm a longtime video guy. And I think there are some people who do it very well. If you look at what like Leo Laporte does over at the Twit Network, they have video components for all their shows and they're good at it. And so there's a video option, there's a podcast option, and that works for them. There were times along the way when people came to me and said, hey, what if we put some cameras in your studio? And I was like, nope, 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 (laughs) nope. Just because that increases the mental burden of what you have to do, because not only are you thinking about coming up with the next question or how you're interacting with your guest or all that kind of stuff, you're also thinking of how do I look on camera and am I am I at the right angle? How am I lit? Did I shave today? You know, mm-hmm. all those sorts of things. So I nipped that in the bud. I didn't want that additional burden. I think uh, just just hearing me is plenty. I <laughs> scoff at you.
5: Bittner because you do a daily show and you don't want extra <laughs> burden. like you have no vacation no break ever <laughs> well six days a week there's you're on the air come on hey 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 jack yeah. jack
4: come on now's the time to own up have netflix or amazon prime approached you yet for a dark net diaries tv show
5: well hollywood mm. has called multiple times to- <laughs> But and not, abs- not actually Netflix or Amazon, but the people who claim they can get me on there.
4: Right. And I, the
5: thing is, is I don't see, I can't find the person with the vision, right? you got somebody yeah. <laughs> who's good at making after-school specials. And I'm like, this is not an after-school special kind of show. And right, <laughs> I want yeah. somebody who's like a <laughs> David Fincher to be like, hey, let's do it. And then <laughs> mm-hmm. I'd be really exciting. So I, I don't want just like a boring documentary. I want yeah. more dramatized, more action and exciting. Yeah. And I just
3: can't find the crew. I'm sure we all have people reaching out to us for different things. They want us to push their products or they want us to be a part of their next program or their live stream. And sometimes it's great things for us to do to support other people. And sometimes they're just opportunities that we feel better left on the cutting room floor. But when we think about people that are looking to get into podcasting, I think a lot of folks have these ambitious visions of what their podcast is going to be in the very beginning. And I don't think they really understand that while there are some incredible heights when you're doing podcasting, there are some lows in podcasting as well. For each of you, I want to hear what is one of your favorite things about being in the podcast medium and what is your least favorite thing about being in the medium? Let's start with you, Jack.
5: Well, I can throw my resume away because... I have my audience. right? And if I ever need a job, I can just say, hey, I'm, I'm looking for a job in this particular field. Um, anybody hiring? You know? And I'm sure I'd get like 10 emails <laughs> mm-hmm. in the first day. And that's amazing to just have that kind of influence or reach. Like It's completely life-changing. I've quit my job now. I do this full-time. It's making more money than I did as an engineer. And I just get to make cool stuff all day, every day. And it's, it's super fun. So the gratitude that people have about, like, wow, I changed careers and, and got into cybersecurity because your show is really what it, mm. what fuels me beyond anything, and it's such a a clean kind of fuel fuel, you know, it's <laughs> it doesn't burn dirty. Right. So that, I think that's the best part of it. Um, the hardest part is not like negative reviews or people saying your show sucks. It's people who just don't listen. Right. You get something good out there, and it's like. Listen, listen, listen. And nobody listens. Like, that's the mm. hard part of like, yeah. <laughs> come on, somebody.
2: Oh, uh, now, Jack, we've yeah. all seen your numbers. You yeah. cannot <laughs> say nobody listened. <laughs> In terms of podcast downloads, I think you are the bell of the ball here yeah. among all of us. Well, so.
5: Yeah, it's true. It just wasn't always that. That wasn't always the case. Like, for instance, I think I reached out to Graham, uh, like, on episode four. And I said, hey, I did a, a show on. Oh, about Talk Talk, Talk Talk, wasn't it? Talk. yeah. Yeah. And I think it took him like a week to reply to me. And I was like, come on, <laughs> like somebody, cause, cause Graham.
4: I'm such a little, i I'm such a shit, aren't I? I'm sorry <laughs> about that. <laughs> but,
5: but it's one of those things that it just feels like it's going into a void. And, and I, I reached out to Graham because he did a whole video on it, of compl- complaining about it.
4: It was a great it, podcast though. Even, even as early as episode four, that's the thing with your, your podcast, Jack, is that you started really great quality mm-hmm. and, I don't think that's always true of every podcast out there. Certainly not true of mine. It it takes a while. And I think think it's admirable that that was the case with your particular show. I mean, talking for myself, the sort of good stuff and the bad stuff, I suppose the good thing, the thing I like is I do a lot of public speaking, actually. And the podcast unwittingly acts as an advert for me as a public speaker. People ask me to go and speak at their conference or, you know, (laughs) more likely it's online these days. Um, but you know, I've got a lot of speaking opportunities because people have heard me on the show and thought, oh, well, he seems like fun. (laughs) seems like he won't bore us too much. And then you go and give a talk. I remember once I was in South Africa, giving a talk and someone came up to me after the talk and said, I I just wanted you to know, you know, I really liked um, the talk. I said, oh, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. He said, and I love the podcast. And you kind of go, oh, you listen to the podcast. it's just like, wow, you know, and you're all, it never fails to surprise me when, complete strangers come up and say, oh yeah, we listen every week. And that's a lovely, lovely feeling. The worst thing in the world is, when it comes to podcasts, I find, is being up at 1.30 in the morning uh, against a deadline, (laughs) desperately (laughs) editing it and trying to fix it. I love the editing, but boy, it can take a long time.
2: So for me, the thing that I like the most is the endless uh, intellectual stimulation. The fact that Every day, I'm talking to interesting people, the vast majority of which are way smarter than me. And I get to ask them all of the dumb questions that <coughs> everyone wishes they could ask really smart people. That's, you know, it's my job to ask those dumb questions. So I'm always learning stuff, and that never gets old. And I would say, along the lines of what Graham said, uh, if I'm at an event somewhere, usually one or two people will come up to me and they'll say that they were looking to get into cybersecurity and someone recommended that if they listen to the cyberwire every day it would be a really good way to get up to speed that you would it just sort of immerses you in what's going on in the world and so they'll thank me and and our gang for helping get them up to speed quickly and that's very gratifying the worst part for me, I say, was in the early days when we were a very small operation and we were all just spinning plates. And as Jack alluded to earlier, there were very few days off. And you know, doing a daily is a lot different from doing a weekly. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And so, many have tried, and few have been able to maintain <laughs> the pace that a daily requires. So a lot of respect for folks who do, and the the handful of us who are in that game know that it can be a bit of a grind. So fortunately, we, we're at the point now where we've been able to staff up, and so you know, we have editors and producers and all that kind of stuff. So actually, we have a deep bench, so I, if I want to take the day off, I can take the day off. If I want to take a vacation, I can take a vacation, <laughs> but I will not forget the days when that wasn't really possible, and we were in full startup mode, and all of us were just working our
0: little butts off. So your marathon pace is really like Olympic pace. I can't imagine putting two episodes out a week, barely, and you're doing it daily. And even though you have a full team, that's still quite impressive. I think like a lot of us have people that we work with and we're still not able to to keep up with that type of pace.
2: I do 10 shows a week. (laughs) 10 shows (laughs) a week? Yeah. 10 shows a week. Madness.
0: Yeah. You yeah. keep it super brief and to the point. I was really impressed when I went on the CyberWire. I mean, they're
2: not very good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's 10 shows. I, I mean, if you're willing to sacrifice quality, it's amazing what you can pump out into the world. And that's really what that's what we hang our hat
0: on here. So, <laughs> yes, whenever I hear your voice, I always think a coffee like it's like that morning drive. And you got the coffee next to you. (laughs) (laughs) One of my least favorite things is not knowing everything. I'm a huge know-it-all, and just not knowing anything is is very frustrating. And I actually came across something that I did not know that was pretty embarrassing the other day, and that was behind the name of podcasts. So I'm going to throw that out there. What is the meaning of podcasts for all these podcasters that we have on on the hook now? Hmm. You Ooh. mean the,
2: the the origin of the word itself? Yes. I mean, it's a combination of um, iPod and broadcast.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> Excellent. You got it. <laughs> Yay. I think I
5: was there uh, during the dawn of it. It sucked to do because you, you couldn't just download it. You had to get it wired connected to your iPod and download <laughs> right. it and then transfer it yes. over and... You had to really want it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: Okay. So I've got a question. I've got a question. So we've worked out the meaning of podcast. Who knows what the collective noun for podcasts is? What is the collective noun? Podkai? No. Wait.
5: Po- uh, like the Pod
4: Sphere? No, no, no. It is a host of podcasts. Mm. It says who, Graham? It says who? Is that, is that it Says, I. Is that, I, says no, Graham clearly, or is it, that, it, did that it, come from Steve Jobs? Yeah, well, it comes from me on my Twitter account a few weeks ago. Someone was talking about it, and I, say, I said, so It should really be a host of podcasts would be the good <laughs> click. I, I thought it was jolly clever, but there you are. But yes, yeah, yeah.
2: so. I, I like it. We'll go with that.
4: Thank you. <laughs>
3: you know, something that Jack was talking about, was, you know, touching lives. And that's incredible. But sometimes it's just the act itself of being in this world of podcasting, where we get to live out these crazy adventures. And I'll tell you a, a quick story that was pretty impactful for me, is we had this crazy idea, and we still do it, and mm. we're about to change it. But we used to have this idea but oh, we're going to put out a season in one day. We're going to take eight episodes, and we're going to launch it all at once, and everybody's going to be happy. We're going to do a movie poster, and it's going to be incredible. And so we had a deadline, and we got what we thought was our dream guest on. We had Grandmaster Maurice Ashley to come on to the podcast. And it was the day before it was due to launch. And you know, that's something you just don't do. But we thought the guest was so good that we had to give it a shot. When he hopped on, we heard his mic was a little hot. There was a little bit of clipping. So that means that the volume was too high. But we said, ah, maybe uh. we can fix it in post. And we went on with the episode. We do the episode and I go to begin editing and it was just garbled. It was almost impossible to fix. I took off the rest of the day from work because I just knew that I had to fix this thing. I did everything from download different applications and service packs in order to fix it. I bought tools that people said that would be able to fix it. I sent it to three or four different engineers to be able to try to fix it, and there was no luck. So about 10 o'clock at night, I say, hey, Ron, this is just not going to happen. I think the only thing we can do is see if Maurice can re-record early in the morning so we can get it out in time. So I had to humble myself and say, Maurice, I'm so sorry. I know you're very busy, but would you be able to re-record in the morning? And he was so gracious and said, Yeah, absolutely. I'll re-record. So we hop on we do the interview and the interview was twice as good as when we did the day before. And that is the episode that we ended up submitting for the Webby Awards. And this is the one that got us that nomination. And what's crazier, and I'm sure you guys as podcasters can really understand, is we were so afraid that Apple was not going to get it out in time. We were like, we're just gonna have to do what we got to do. I hit submit on all those episodes. And within 30 minutes, it was on Apple Podcasts. That is a podcast miracle right there. But I'd love to hear what are some of the most impactful stories in your podcasting career that sticks out in your mind. Let's start with you, Dave. I think for me, it's feedback from listeners.
2: We do a, a weekly show called Career Notes, and it's just little 10-minute or so vignettes about people talking about their careers. And it's one of those things that we thought might be a good idea, and we'll do a few of them and put them out in the world and see if we get any good feedback on it and see if it sticks. And I uh, just recently, I got a, an email from someone who said, I just want to drop you a note and say, hey, you know, thank you for this it's a good reminder as i'm trying to find my place in cybersecurity that everyone's journey is different and we all go through different things and by hearing all these different people tell their different stories that helps inspire me so i mean that stands out as as kind of a good thing there's one time where i have had a guest that i absolutely would never ever have back and was not did not go on the show And it was someone that was scheduled as a guest for our caveat show, scheduled the call, took the call. This person got on the line and was just sort of argumentative and difficult from the get go. We rolled the recording and he was great. He was a phenomenal guest, knew his stuff, well-spoken, all that kind of stuff. In the middle of the interview, he took a phone call from someone else, (laughs) stopped the interview said, oh, hey, I got to take this call. Uh, and so I'm just sitting there twiddling my thumbs while he's taking the call. I'm hearing one side of his conversation. <laughs> Comes back. We continue the interview. Uh, as soon as I stop rolling, again, he's argumentative. He's difficult. He's he's belittling to me. Wow. So I thank him for his time. I stopped recording and I went down the hall to my boss and I said, this gentleman will never be on our podcast because if he's treating me this way, I can't mm. imagine the way he treats you know the other people, and I we were not going to support anyone who was willing to treat people this way, so even though he was a great guest and would have been great for our show, nope just not going to do it and so I feel really good about that decision,
4: but it, you know sometimes you got to make the tough call, right?
5: Yeah, those are hard calls
4: and that's the reason that I've never appeared again on the caveat yeah. podcast I was thinking myself. <laughs> <laughs> I was counting
2: how many times I've been a guest on Bittner's show. <laughs> and I just want to say, Jack
4: and Graham, you should be ashamed of yourselves.
1: <laughs>
4: That's horrendous. Well, I understand that pain that you've had on the Hacker Valley, or Maurice Ashley and and the bad recording. Now, I think chances are we've all probably been there once or twice. So after a while, you get burnt so many times that you you begin to think, hang on. Unless I'm absolutely comfortable with this. Sometimes the recordings, so we're using an internet service right now to record our audio. And sometimes we've had situations where that simply for whatever reason has not worked and has gone Mm -hmm. desperately wrong. But in terms of big wins, personally, the most exciting thing ever for me was that I managed to get Gary Kasparov. Here we go, chess again because I'm a huge chess fan. I managed to get Gary Kasparov on the show a couple of times. And then we got a chap who, if you've ever seen the uh, British sci-fi comedy show, Red Dwarf, it's a bit of an institution over here in the UK. I don't know if they show it in America as well, but we got the guy who plays the robot, Crichton, in Red Dwarf onto the show. And he was just hilarious. I mean, he's like a proper comedian, very a, a big TV personality over here. So it was great getting him on and... um Just uh, dealing with a professional broadcaster rather than me and Carol. It's wonderful to to do. And also, the other great thing is there is a bit of a community in the world of podcasts, if only because we keep on appearing on each other's podcasts. Because (laughs) (laughs) you invite, in fact, earlier today, if I can do a little bit of background baseball or whatever it's called, um, I had Dave Bittner on Smashing Security. So we've recorded an episode Ah, with Dave today. So if you have a, a gap in your schedule, Who can you contact who's got a good mic and he'll be good on the podcast? Another podcaster. So go and call them up. And for me, with all my spare time. (laughs) Yeah, you've done two. Forget your (laughs) 10 a week. This is taking up to at least 12, I guess.
5: (laughs) Dave, you're always bothering people. Dave saying, can you come on my show? Can you come on my show? So here's what it feels like. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
2: What comes around goes around. Absolutely.
5: <laughs> one of the things w- when I had like a vision of starting my show was I had like these big guests in mind, you know, like ex-felons and, and nation state actors and stuff. Like I was trying to find the phone number to Fancy Bear at one point. I think it was episode 10 where I was just going around Twitter, knocking on shoulders, tapping on shoulders, asking, hey, can you come on my show? You look like you've got something interesting, some interesting stories. I stumbled upon somebody's Twitter who actually was XNSA and they had just like quit like that week. (laughs) And uh, they agreed. They said, yeah, I got some stories to share. And they came on and told me like official like stuff they did in the NSA. And like the whole interview, I was just like biting my fist. Like, this is amazing. This is like just exactly how I imagined. And it was so great. And, you know, he's, they said, <laughs> you got to change my voice. I can't have, you know, my name and stuff. But it was one of those moments where was like, you know, as you're recording, you might feel the same way as like when you when you get that good tape and you can just hear it coming across. And it's just so exactly it's like 10 times better than you imagined and you're like oh i'm so glad i just got this recorded yeah those are some of my favorite moments yeah. and and that's yeah. just kept, kept going right i've had people just spill their guts and i'm like why are you telling me because uh, because i trust you and i like your show and it's just like wow it's such a moving moving story and yeah this stuff is just some of the best stuff
0: you never know what could happen right like we didn't even know that hacker valley studio was a business until we had one of our guests come on the show and say, I love working with young entrepreneurs. And, and we looked at him like he was crazy. We're like, what are you talking about? We're doing this completely for free. You can't even make money off a podcast. <laughs> but here we are now. And speaking of doing things out of the out of the normal, we also had a friend who said, You know what, guys? I'm a successful podcast host and I want to do things differently. I want to do them even bigger. And I wanted to do them with you all. So we started working with this person, and he's been doing his thing. And he's had, at this point, I believe over 40 episodes. And I thought it would only be right if he was part of this conversation, because he's also shaping the way we look at cybersecurity. I wanted to introduce the host of the Cyber Ranch podcast, Alan Alford. Howdy, y'all. And Alan, you have to answer all of those questions <laughs> in one minute that we just answered.
1: <laughs> okay. Success Story was a show that actually recorded. Non-Success Story, I had to re-record it.
3: Um, <laughs> Yeah. Give us a little bit of your, your origin story, Alan. So glad you could be here.
1: Origin story. So, yeah, I was on another show. I was co-host with a gentleman who was not a security guy. He was a media guy, but he really kind of tapped into the security space. I was doing a really good job of rallying the community around a good show. And he was producer and, and co-host and I was the the CISO co-host. And I just decided after a period of time, I was like, you know what, this is this is a lot of fun. I want to experiment with the world he's in and learn more about the media, the production, et cetera, et cetera. So. After almost two years of being on that show, I broke out, went solo, came up with the Cyber Ranch, and Iran's point. We're forty shows in and loving
3: it. Still going strong and uh, planning on going and growing. You know, I'm so glad that you're here because I want you to answer this next question first. So we get a lot of inspiration from other things. Whenever we do special events like events like this, we make a movie poster. I'm a big movie buff, but I'm also a big music buff, which is why I thought, oh, wow, Rat Pack, Pod Pack. Also, some of the styling of Hacker Valley has very hip hop flavors to it. I'd like to hear from anybody that pulls inspiration from other things outside of podcasting and cybersecurity. Is there anything that you really use as that that muse, as that energy, as that inspiration to bring your best self onto the mic? Let's start with you, Alan. Influenced by a lot of things. I grew
1: up with music as probably one of the most important and integral parts of my life. I mean, all through teenage years and college and all that, music was always a really huge part of my life i played music on various instruments over the years i was in bands and always sort of had that that musical flair and that musical bent i think it's honestly that same musical ear has helped me master well i say master that's a big word uh, what little foreign languages i can speak when i'm capable of uh learning foreign languages you know the musical ear i think helps with the accents and all of that so I, i would argue there's a musical cadence uh, a a broad musical influence it's it's affected my ear it's affected my sense of sound quality it's affected my sense of timing i would agree with that and for me i mean i studied music as well and i uh, was a classically trained singer
2: coming up as a youngster and i think that helps with this as well being able to phrase things have a lyrical quality to how you present things like i and i hear like i hear that particularly in the shows that jack does with there's a, a line to the way that he presents things. And so I think that helps a lot. So I, I music is very influential for me. It, it's very, people say music saved my life. And and I think that's almost a cliche, but I think if I need to put myself in any particular sort of mood, nothing helps me get there faster than music. And so I have music if I want to feel happy or
4: music if I want to feel sad or uh, if I need to get pumped up, those sorts of things. So, yeah, I think music is definitely a, an impact. Also, comedy and radio. I mean, you know, this is in a way a form of radio, isn't it? That we're doing just sometimes the slightly less professional, sometimes more professional, perhaps. <laughs> but you no, know, I grew up on Radio Four, BBC Radio Four, here in the UK, and there are some fantastic comedy programs. Some of which came out before I was born, but I remember listening to when they were repeated on the radio things like Tony Hancock, or I'm sorry, I haven't a clue, or i oh, sorry, I'll read that again, uh, which are just tremendously humorous, witty flights of imagination. And sometimes I think if I look back as to what I think worked in terms of us having fun on our show and embracing the audience, it is comedy along those lines. You know, you mentioned these old stuff. I think I, I may have been
5: influenced by Paul Harvey the rest of the story, I think he did, which kind of goes back in time to say, hey, there's you know about this person in history, but you may not have known about this part of them. And it was Mm. fun to kind of revisit that. But I think when I was starting this up, I really wanted some sort of visual flair to it as well. And, uh, you know, at the website and each episode has its own unique episode artwork. That was just a lot of fun to kind of come up with these ideas and to um, kind of get inspired by that. I, I always liked Banksy and, and street artists, um, mm. graffiti artists and stuff. And so I've always tried to look to see, because there's always like an edgy note to it or an ironic twist to something. And I'm always like, oh, that's so brilliant. That's such a brilliant piece of artwork. Mm. And it's right there on the side of a building. And and so I kind of take those ideas and then apply it to InfoSec and stuff and uh, kind of mash it up, kind of take artworks into the space. And there's a lot of uh, shirts on this, or, you know, the, the website has a ton of artwork and there's shirts with a lot of this artwork too.
4: Yeah, I can definitely see the Banks influence in some of the imagery which uh, you use to promote your podcast. And you're, you're very good. It looks very professional and it's yeah. It's a very consistent look as well, I think, for Dark Side Diaries. hundred Net Diaries. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah. So what I do is I come up with the idea, and then I kind of sketch it out on a piece of paper. It looks stupid. And then I give it to an artist to actually make it come alive. I haven't been able to find, like, an artist who can come up with the idea and make it look Right. Uh, so it,
3: it's kind of like a 50-50 job there. Yeah. You know, one of the things that Ron said early on in our career is, Hire help, pay top dollar, because there's definitely people out there that can do things better than I can do, than any of us can do on the call. One thing I did want to ask, and I want to just kind of open this up to everybody, is that there are a lot of people right now that are jumping into the podcast game. It seems like a really crowded space, but there are people that really love the medium and they want to stand out. One of the things that I've found that makes people stand out is really authenticity, like being who they are and not necessarily trying to be a, a Dave Bittner or Graham Cluley or Jack Reesider or Alan Alford, like just being themselves. And when they start to come through with that authenticity, I think people gravitate towards that. What are some of the other ways that you all can think about people getting into the podcast space and making some noise? There's something I
5: heard recently that kind of resonated with me. It was uh, like, if you're making three episodes, make one for your audience, right? What they expect to hear when they turn it on. Make one for yourself. I got, I which is just like, this is what I'm into. I don't care if you're into it or not. And then make one that's just totally wild and crazy and like not even close to what you're like. Graham brought a comedian on his show, not even a cybersecurity guy, right? Like, that's great. Like, it's going to bring in all kinds of new people. And, and it just makes your show wild sometimes and it it's changes it up and that keeps it fresh as well. So I kind of like that formula. A couple of things come to mind for me. One
2: is I, I always tell people who ask me about starting up podcasts to just map out your first 20 episodes. Just take a piece of paper and, and write down what you think the topic of your first 20 episodes will be. And if you can rattle that off really quickly, then chances are you're on to something. But I think for a lot of people, it's really easy to come up with half a dozen episodes. And then it gets a lot harder. So just going through that quick exercise can help you realize if you have a topic that's sustainable. And then the other thing I would say is find out the thing that sets you apart from everyone else. What is the unique perspective that you bring to something? You know, we don't need another Smashing Security. We don't need another Darknet Diaries. We don't need another CyberWire Daily. If you look at big brands in the world, there's Coke and there's Pepsi. But that's enough, right? We don't need all these, we don't need uh, 25 other different colas. The desire is fed by those kinds of things. So don't try to imitate what's already out there. Try to set yourself apart and do your own thing, find your own space. And then finally, I'll say I really love the advice that Steve Martin had in his memoir. He said, Be so
4: good they can't ignore you. So I've got a very simple piece of advice, which is to get on with it, give it a try. See how you get on. But specifically, when I say get on with it, what I mean is don't talk about the weather. Mm. Don't talk about what you're drinking. Don't fall into that trap, which so many people do, of I'm going to do a podcast and I'm going to get my mate on and we're going to chat for about 45 minutes to an hour before we actually get onto the subject. Everyone starts thinking, oh, what we're going to do is we're going to review movies. But they then spend 45 minutes just chatting amongst themselves. <laughs> How was your day today? Oh, my day was fine. Oh, what's the weather like there? Oh, it's really cold. You know what happened today with my car? It's like, no one cares. No <laughs> one cares. Unless you're doing a podcast about the weather, do not discuss the weather. Unless there's a hurricane, then maybe you can mention it. I'm speaking to you. I'm sorry if the quality is a little bit poor. There's a hurricane going on. Otherwise, <laughs> don't mention the weather. Just get on with the show and try and make it, you know, as engaging and grabby as you can right from the off. But most of all, have fun. If you're having fun, then getting an audience as well will be a bonus. But I think for most podcasts, chances are the vast majority of podcasts will not get a significant number of listeners. Mm. You know, chances are you will not be topping that chart alongside Darknet Diaries. So make sure that you're having fun while you're doing it. And anything else which comes along will be a bonus. Yeah, so for me, I took a note from the day job. I'm a CISO
1: by trade. I'm a a leader. I've got teams who report to me. And one of my biggest tenets as a leader is always surround yourself with people who are better at what they do than you are. Make sure everyone reporting to you is smarter at what they do than you are. And I try to do the same thing with my podcast guests, and I load balance the passion. When I first approach somebody and say, hey, would you like to be on the show? They always inevitably ask me, what topic do you want to discuss? And the answer I always give back is, what are you passionate about? I want to find something they're into. I want my guests to be lit up, animated, and into whatever it is. And as long as it's part of cyber, I can try to meet them in the middle, reach out, you know, At a bare minimum, uh, to Dave's point, I can ask stupid questions, right? And let the passion of the guest lead and and reign the show. And for me, that has been really successful.
0: All right. The blueprint has been delivered. Everyone can start successful podcasts now. (laughs) The only thing that I would add on to it is consistency. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of opportunities to stop doing podcasts. There's a lot of opportunities to not push the next episode because you want to perfect it. And you just have to continue on. You can't let the excuses or resistance get in your way of doing something that you're planning on doing. I think that's what it really boils down to for podcasting and really anything that you're trying out that's new to you.
4: I think that's a really good point. I mean, we, we do a podcast every week and it goes out at exactly the same time every week. You know, mm-hmm. all the rest of my calendar throughout the week is sort of <laughs> oriented around, am I going to get the podcast done in time? Will we release it on time? And, we, you know, we've we've hit that that time for years now without missing other than a couple of holidays we occasionally took. But people will get into the habit of, oh, I take the dog for a walk on Thursday mornings and I listen to the XYZ podcast. So once you've got people yep. into that habit, they're more likely, I think, to become regular listeners. Because it becomes part of their life, and they they, they will miss it if you're not there. And potentially, you will lose an audience Mm -hmm. if you don't find that. Weekly podcast may be too much for some people. It is a lot of work. So maybe you only want to do it once a month, for instance. But it'd be crazy to do it daily, right, Dave? (laughs) Oh, absolutely.
2: (laughs) I mean, I, you know, I remember hearing Jon Stewart back when he was doing The Daily Show and he said one of the good things about doing a daily show is that you can't be too precious about any one particular show mm-hmm. because as soon as you put that show out there, you are on to the next one mm-hmm. and all your energy has to be on trying to make that next show as good as you possibly can. So there is something to be said for the velocity of publishing where at some point you got to put it out in the world and be okay with
3: that. A hundred percent. A lot of knowledge here for anyone looking to start a podcast. I gave everyone a bit of homework to do two things to be exact. The first thing was, what is one question that you have for another podcaster on this episode that you haven't had the chance to ask yet? Let's start
4: with you, Graham. Oh, see, I was going to ask Dave Bittner as to whether he was really Casey Cason because of his voice. But uh, instead of that, I'm going to ask Jack. You've got lots and lots of listeners, Jack. And one of the things that you're very keen on is uh, preserving your anonymity and not letting people see what you look. And I see messages from people saying, have you seen, has anyone got a photograph of Jack? Has anyone found a video of Jack? Uh, How much of a problem has this been? Has, Has anyone gone to extreme efforts? to try and find out more about you?
5: Well, that's kind of the reason why I did it because someone did do that before I was making this podcast. I've had some YouTube video and somebody kind of triangulated like features in the background and figured Mm. out where I was and figured out the public records of what my house was registered to what name. Right. And then, Went from there and figured out where I worked, and then emailed me at work and said, "Hey, I'm your biggest YouTube fan." And I'm like, "Oh my, oh my gosh, I gotta get myself off the internet." So, you know, it's ever since then I've been trying to get actively removed from the internet. <laughs> mm. And so, uh, yeah, I don't. I, I think it would be a feather in someone's hat to hack Jack, because <laughs> you know that's the thing. So I've gotta, I've gotta practice my, uh, you know, opsec and everything as best I yeah. can, and and keep it, keep it good. So far, it's it's been holding up. But it's
3: it's it's there. Something will happen one day. Right, you do a a really good job at doing that. Let's go to you, Jack. What question do you have for somebody on the podcast today? Well, I want everyone to answer this one. I want to hear
5: one of your like funniest or weirdest hacking stories you know of that have that have hit the news. And I'll just give you an example. The first one, when the first YouTube video to hit five billion views was Despacito. And as soon as it hit 5 billion views somebody logged in and deleted it. <laughs> and I and it turns out they just exploited like one of the APIs in YouTube and renamed it and it just looked deleted but yeah and anyone else have something just funny that they they remember as a hacking story they've covered or read about?
4: I'll tell you about a dating website called Beautiful People, a British dating website which prided itself on only letting very very beautiful people Join the site. And one day they issued a press release saying that they had been hit by the Shrek virus. <laughs> and they claimed that the virus had changed the algorithm on their website, which analyzed whether you were beautiful enough to join the site or not, and had let some ugly people join the site. <laughs> and, oh my. and so they were having to throw out something like 3,000 people. <laughs> uh, because they weren't good-looking enough. So they issued this press release, and I, I was very sceptical and thought, I, I doubt this virus exists, of course. It didn't exist. It was all a publicity stunt, but there were so many newspapers who wrote it up as fact. The beautiful ending of this story was that two years later, beautiful people, the dating website, really did get hacked, and all of their users had, I shouldn't laugh, had their information stolen. So it was kind of a, a, a calmer situation for them, I suppose. But uh,
5: That's a good one. Another one I thought was really funny was uh, Shakira when she had CDs, I think in the early 2000s. She put root kits on the CDs. Because oh, the, the Sony thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Sony yeah. didn't want people to pirate their stuff. So they root kitted the, the like, like when you put the CD in, it, it, it roots your machine so that you can't copy the CD off. Oh, my God.
0: That's pretty genius.
5: Was that wrong? Should we not have done that? Is <laughs> that
4: bad? Better safe than Sony oh. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Dave? I'm curious just what what are where all of you think
2: this is heading? We've seen some <laughs> consolidation in terms of podcasting we we're you know we have the big players have entered the space and they've started buying up you know some of the high profile podcasters. Do we think Jack made the the point at the outset here that if you're behind somebody's paywall, you're no longer a podcast. Right. Do we think that this free podcasting ecosystem is going to continue to go on this way or are we going to are we all going to end up in multiple tiers? Where do you, how do you how do you see it shaking out?
5: Dave, you got like venture capital money a few years back. I just assumed you're going yep. to buy us all up
2: at some point.
4: That's what I'm waiting for. I'm
2: going to ask all of you to stay on the call after we're done. I have a few
4: questions to ask you, but
1: yeah. I've already got a contract I mean, ready to go. You just need to sign. <laughs> That's right. What, what do I have to do to get
2: you in this podcast network
3: today? <laughs> you know, one thing that I think about when it comes to all of this expansion, you have shows that are going exclusive, you're having companies that are being bought up by big corporations. I I think there is going to be a little bit of tiering, but I think there are going to be still a lot of those independents that are like really pushing forward, pushing the envelope similar to YouTube is still decentralized. There are a lot of companies that do YouTube videos, but there's still a lot of independents that are doing really well. So I think you will have those tiers, but I think just podcasting in general is still going to have those breakout hits.
1: Yeah, one of the things that surprises me is all the cooperation I'm seeing, especially amongst the folks that are really just getting off the ground and getting started. But I'm invited constantly to be on other shows. I'm always inviting other podcasters to be on my show. Like There seems to be a real genuine supportive community around the independents too.
2: Yeah, and I think those of us who've been at it a while and have established ourselves, there's a really nice sense that we're uh, willing to mentor those who are coming up, and and you know if we can you know appear on their shows and and send a little audience their way, you know that sort of thing. There's a a real sense of support and community. And I
1: think it's great.
3: And then Alan, last but not least, what question do you got for someone on the call?
1: It's the staying power question. All of you guys have the staying power. I'm 40 episodes in on this new show and adorable. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Isn't that cute? 40
4: episodes. Look at you.
1: Look at you as your little show. You know, for me, I don't feel like I've, I've got a a risk of running out of topics. I don't feel like I've got a risk of running out of guests. There's, there's always a million and one things, you know, from especially from that CISO perspective in cyber, there's always some, some new topic, some new facet of the game that can be discussed, but keeping the momentum, getting the growth over time, like what's y'all's guidance and advice on that one? you got to really want it.
5: And and especially in Dave's case, going every day at this, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) You just got to really want it as well. And that's a lot of people, they come in, they throw in like three episodes and they're like, wait, nobody's listening. Uh, This is not what I expected. And they leave. So your expectations might need to readjust as well. Mm. But if you say, okay, yeah, this is the stuff I want to achieve in life. And you lay it out and you make it clear and you make it so clear that you can visualize it. And you're promising people like, this is what I'm going to do then that can be visualized. And the weird thing about it is the closer you get to it, the less exciting it feels, you know, mm-hmm. like mm. like winning awards or getting written up in articles, like in, in big publications or whatever. It's like by the time you get to that point, you're like, I already know my show's good. You guys are really late to give me this <laughs> award, you know? Like it just hardly matters at this point. Like I've, I've already made it. So... <laughs> humility
3: and mom dying. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, time flies when you're having fun. I wish we could talk for another hour. The last piece of homework that I had for everybody is that because we are so grateful for everything that you've done for us, our show, and being on this special event today, we want to contribute a healthy donation to the nonprofit of your choice. So as we go through Let us know the nonprofit that you want to donate this money to, uh, what they do, and then also, how do we find your show? Let's start with you, Graham.
4: Oh, well, thank you. It's extremely generous of you to uh, support my charity today, which is Mencap. It is a UK charity for people with learning disabilities like Down syndrome. And uh, yeah, that's absolutely tremendous. And you can find me and hear more from me at Smashing Security. Find it in all good podcast apps, and quite a few crummy ones as well. Fantastic. And you, Dave? Um, So my charity
2: is the Rotary Foundation. Uh, You probably have heard of Rotary International and uh, they are really, really close to eradicating polio from the world, which is quite an achievement. So uh, looking to send a little money their way and hopefully they'll get that job done. You can find me on Twitter at Bittner. That's B-I-T-T-N-E-R. And everything else is over at thecyberwire.com.
3: Fantastic. And you, Jack? The charity I'm choosing today is the
5: EFF. They do things to keep the internet <laughs> working the way it is today and not letting people come and kind of ruin it. So I really appreciate the work they're doing there and they could always use more help. And you can find me on Twitter as Jack Resider, or uh, just look
1: for Darknet Diaries on any search engine on the planet. And last but not least, Alan. So my charity is Black Girls Code. I don't think there's enough women in cyber. I don't think there's enough people of color in cyber. I think this is a charity that's nailing both in one go, bringing STEM to uh, girls in, in middle school and, and high school who traditionally aren't brought into STEM programs. I think it's valuable and needed in the cyber community. So that's my charity. How to reach me would be Uh The show resides at hackervalley.com. Go figure. Uh, you can also find me uh, wherever fine podcasts are distributed.
0: Excellent. Jack, Dave, Graham, Alan, thank you for making our day and making our jobs easy with just a great conversation. We'll be sure to drop all of those resources in the show notes for everyone to stay up to date with you and all the things that you got going on. And we'll see everyone next time. The complexity of cloud infrastructure means every organization's security challenges are unique. Whether your challenge is threat hunting, policy management, Cloud workload protection, or all of the above, Uptix helps you quickly identify and eliminate observability gaps in your security program. That's Uptix. Analytics for the modern attack surface, observability for the modern defender. Check out Uptix by visiting uptix.com. That's U P T Y C S.com. Thank you, Uptix, for sponsoring this episode. Axonius has Cross the Chasm, the first company to solve the cybersecurity asset management problem. Gartner has recognized Cyber Asset Attack Surface Management, Chasm, as a category in their Hype Cycle for Network Security 2021 report. Axonius gives its customers a comprehensive, always up-to-date asset inventory, helps uncover security gaps, and automates as much of the manual remediation as you want. Take a look at Exonius and give your team's time back to work on the high-value cyber initiatives they were trained to do.
3: If you found value in this content, it would mean the world to us if you shared it on social media, sent it to a friend, or talked about it over coffee. Thank you.